This is a podcast called Fire the Canon, the only one, no matter what you might think. And we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not, sort of. And this week, as well as next week or two weeks from now, we're not really sure when the next one's coming out, but rest assured it will be here. We're going to be reading our third of Charles Dickens' five Christmas novellas. So if you'd like to hear... A Christmas Damn. Carol, go back, because we already covered it a couple years ago. <laughs> 2020, baby. 2021, we did The Chimes, which was not maybe as good. one of the worst things we've <laughs> read. See, not as good. <laughs> and then this time around, we asked Theo to pick which of the remaining three we would read, and he just so happened to pick the one that happens to be third in the lineup. So we're just going in order. That's how we do it. This yep. year, we are covering The Cricket on the Hearth by Charles Dickens. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're reading The Cricket in the Hearth, which Theo chose for us. In the hearth? Can it be in? Not if he wants to survive. Maybe they're too poor to have the fire going. They're not. Did you read the first page? <laughs> God. They're kind of poor, though. Okay. So that's what we're reading. And Theo, you'll be happy to know there aren't very many characters, really. Jackie just was like, did you read the first page? <laughs> And then I thought, could you turn any book into a mystery if you don't read the first page and then guess what the first page was at the end? <laughs> Do you want to try that? <laughs> so one thing that I actually don't think we've mentioned on the pod is that there's been a longstanding joke that uh, my dad believes that I'm writing a murder mystery novel <laughs> because Theo keeps mentioning it. Like, he'll mention it. Like, I don't know. I don't really go on Facebook anymore. But for years, like... <laughs> this is why she had to stop going on Facebook. <laughs> He would he would reference this murder mystery novel I was supposedly writing and then knowing that my dad would see it because my dad's like obsessed with me for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Hi, Jackie's dad. We know you're listening. <laughs> He's really excited to hear this, by the way. You know, I've also heard Jeff and Nikita and Suman. They all said how excited they were, too. I bet they are. And Moon Man. Hey, Moon Man. Oh, the Moomins. <laughs> Moon Man. Oh, my goodness. It's been a while. Anyway, he would he would just reference like, "Hey, Jackie, how's that novel? That how's that murder mystery book going?" <laughs> and then I would tell my dad, like, "Dad, I I'm not writing one." And he's like, "Yes, you are. Why are you lying? Why would Theo say that? <laughs> Quit lying." And I'm just like, "Because he's trying to ruin me." <laughs> he's like, "You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to show me if you don't want to." And I was like, "I'm not writing a murder mystery." <laughs> That's the one kind of book I feel like I could not write. Really? I don't know. I think you could do it. I don't think I could come up with a mystery. Agatha Christie did the craziest shit possible. See, 2021, a Christery mystery. Mm. Yeah, that was a great episode if you guys want to hear us talk about a Christmas mystery. <laughs> Haven't, aren't you guys excited that we're back? We're just like going through all our old episodes and telling you about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good value, huh? <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> Let's stop now. I mean, they're all kind of formulaic, right? Couldn't you just take one of Agatha Christie's and then just uh, replace the names? I mean, I guess you could. I wouldn't really call that writing it, though. <laughs> uh, what if we looked back? and we found like the early drafts of Agatha Christie's murder stories and it turns out that the first page of all of them just laid out who the murderer was and then she was like shit I keep doing that and then she has to like take it out brilliant <laughs> note from her editor save it for the end consider not revealing the murderer on the first page so this is what I had to do today why I had to get some coffee Rachel said she had a crazy day I feel like it was kind of crazy oh, no. so first of all I have this package that was supposed to come from FedEx and in the time that it claimed it was out for delivery i had another package ship from china 
go through customs and arrive at my house. Whoa. <laughs> and this is all since they claimed it was out for delivery. And every day it was saying out for delivery, then back at the station, then on the truck out. For- so anyway, I called FedEx. <laughs> like I spoke with three different people and every person lied to me, I guess, in a different way. Like every single person's explanation was totally different. And then finally I hear from someone. Also, the some of the stuff that's in the box like shouldn't be shaken around a lot or like shouldn't have a lot of fluctuations of temperature. Ooh, it's a baby. It's a baby. She's going to have a baby. a baby every day out in out in. So okay. Just like a baby. Finally, I tracked <laughs> nope, it down. Nope. <laughs> and they told me like I could pick it up once they found it. They would set it aside and I could just go to them and get it. That's so nice of them to let you go get your package once (laughs) they find it. So the problem was, though, um, I had to take my car to the mechanic and the mechanic was like, hey, we don't have this part. So, you know, do you mind leaving it for the weekend and you can get it Monday? And then Theo had to go to Durham to do something. So we didn't have the truck we've been using. So I didn't have a car. Sorry, Steven. I (laughs) I was looking at Theo talking about it. Theo was like, excuse me, excuse me, wait, wait, correction, correction. It wasn't me. (laughs) I don't want to be involved. (laughs) So they they call me after Steven's already gone and they're like, you can get your package today or like tomorrow. You could get it Sunday between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. And it's like 10 miles away. But so my friend Suman, at first she was going to be able to um, help me, but then she had a bad stomach ache. So anyway, I wasn't able to get the package. (laughs) And then we were going to get brunch, very good brunch, Taiwanese brunch um, after. And the brunch is like four and a half miles from my house. So anyway, so Suman, um, she couldn't we couldn't do the package thing and she couldn't go to brunch. But I was like, I want to go anyway. So I had my electric scooter. I can't go get the package with you, but I am going to brunch. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Because of my tummy ache. But so I got on my electric scooter, which you guys know I have, and I start scooting. And then I realize that Steven had scooted around yesterday a lot. Oh, no. And depleted the battery quite a bit. No, he did not charge it. It was it was like 30 percent full. But the thing is, based on the distance I had to go and what the like the manual said about the scooter's range, I was like, oh, okay. well, I should be able to get there and back with this. This has this Rachel, this story has so many weird details. It starts (laughs) raining. It's going to come together. The Taiwanese brunch, the battery (laughs) depletion, the package from China. It's all going to. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a key aspect to the story. Basically, the scooter runs out of battery when I'm like a mile away from the brunch. But I was like, well, I'm going to the brunch. The problem is with electric scooters, you can't just scoot like normal because they're way high off the ground. So to scoot, you have to squat every time. So it's like more effort scooting on the scooter than it is to just walk with the scooter. What do you mean you have to scoot by squatting? Think about when you step up on a step, when you go back down, the leg that's up has to bend, right? When you step, turns out Rachel's been using her legs wrong her whole life. (laughs) When you step on a step, it goes back down. When you're stepping down from a step, but you're leaving one leg on, the leg that's on the step bends when you lower the other leg. Uh, (laughs) Like at the knee? It bends at. Have you guys played that game, Quap? It's called QWOP. You ever played? Yeah, you you made me play that one time. (laughs) Look, let me just quickly finish this. I'm almost done. You control two thighs and two calves of a guy who runs, and you have to, like, coordinate it to make them. Yeah. Rachel doesn't understand how it works. No, you don't understand how scooting works when you're on a scooter that's raised, like, this far off the ground. Is this a hoverboard? (laughs) 
No. Like, she was on a Razor scooter, a Razor scooter with her no, butt on the thing. it's an electric scooter. <laughs> you need to get a Razor scooter. Apparently, but look. Or a hybrid. What I'm saying is it started raining very heavily and I had to walk back home like five miles in the rain with my scooter because I was like, well, an Uber's not going to want to pick you me up. You walked five miles home instead of just walking one mile to the brunch? I walked one mile to the brunch and ate brunch and the scooter was still out of battery. So then I turned around and walked home. Oh. My God. Of course I did. I did both of those things. Wow. Interesting. You should have read the manual. That's where I got the information. And I called Stephen about five it. Miles. But I did call Stephen and I was like, so my scooter ran out of battery a mile from the brunch place. And he was like, well, I guess you learned a lesson about the range of the scooter. And I'm like, I guess you learned a lesson about charging my scooter after you scoot around. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's he, like it would have been better if he had just said, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> and his mind, he was kind of just like. I don't feel like learning a lesson today. Rachel's going to learn a lesson. <laughs> Somebody has to learn a lesson. <laughs> Otherwise, this whole thing was pointless. <laughs> yeah. Good old Aesop. <laughs> That's badass. <laughs> no, it's not. Does the battery not show how much is left on <laughs> no, it? No, the problem is, so it's supposed to be able to go, let's say, for example, that the scooter could go 10 miles. If it shows 50% left on the battery, you would think it could go five miles, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's like, you know how in a car, like the first quarter of the tank takes forever and you're like, wow, my car can go so far. And then like the last quarter goes so fast. But this is I a battery. I think that's how the battery is too. I oh, feel like every laptop the... and phone I've ever had, the battery is totally unreliable. Yeah. Like the percent, you just can't guess on well, the I guess you learned a, lot, a lesson. I did learn a lesson. <laughs> the other thing though is the battery, you know how sometimes when a, like something dies, you can kind of turn it on and get a little more juice out of it. Mm. Every like five minutes of walking, basically, I would turn the scooter on and like quickly zoom nice. as far as it would go until it would die. And I kept doing that periodically, but then finally it just refused to turn on anymore. So. And sometimes it helps if you warm the battery up. So did you like hug it against yourself for a little bit? No, yeah. I was already wet and muddy enough. I didn't want to do that. Dang. Wow. I think I walked through like five different neighborhoods of Atlanta. It was kind of crazy. Oh, I guess you learned a lesson about what those neighborhoods of Atlanta look like. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking that. That's going to be a great <laughs> meme, I have to say. Thank you, Steve for this meme format. I am so excited to use that all the time. When one person does a bad thing, they tell the other person they learned the lesson. Well, I guess you learned a lesson about letting me borrow your scooter. <laughs> yeah. And he, I also, I was like, when I got back, I'm like, hey, where's my charger for the scooter? And he's like, I don't know. And so I looked around because I only take the charger. It only is in my backpack. It goes to and from work. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't in the backpack. And I, I was like, hey, where you know where is it because i u- last used it on monday i don't see it anywhere and he's like i haven't used it in weeks and i'm like weeks because he's been using my scooter i guess he never charges it up after oh my god yikes <laughs> he uses it more than i do actually wow classic steven classic steven 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 before we get into the story i'm gonna quickly rename myself jackie and theo i already did mine uh <laughs> Oh, nice. Theo is Dick, parentheses, ends. I'm the cricket in chief, and Jackie is slow boy. And I'm slow boy. Slow boy. With an I. Slow Slow boy. boy. Ms. Slow boy. All right. How do you want to do this? Because we're going to cover the first half of the story. Not much happens. (laughs) Like, almost nothing. Not much happens. Right. Yeah, (laughs) almost nothing happens. But um, there are a couple of things that I ended up, like, looking into as, like, historical background. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. But that's going to come later in the episode. So first, why don't we just start by, like, 
I don't know, telling you the names of the people and what happens. That's yeah. We're just going to try to make this as entertaining as possible. But it is a cute story. I think it's cute. Here's something I think you might like is that the chapters in this are called Chirps. Isn't that right, Jackie? <laughs> Aww. All right. So the story focuses on this couple named the Peary Bingles. You have Mrs. Peary Bingle, um, whose first name is Dot, and then her husband is John Peary Bingle. John Peary Bingle is a mail carrier, um, and not just like of the XY chromosome type, but like of the postal mail type. Bam. Yeah. Nice dry delivery. Yeah. You know, I just kind of thought of it while I was saying it. Anyway, and they have a baby who is just named Baby, capital B. They also have a nanny who's named Tilly Slowboy. She's like 13 years old and so that's where my name comes from and it's a really really cute thing that starts off so that's who you've got in the house at one point there's going to be a mysterious old man who comes in and asks to stay with them and because this was victorian times they say yes then there's also some characters which is um mr tackleton who's you can kind of tell i don't know let me ask this theo who do you like what kind of personality do you think mr tackleton has based on his name he's a fisherman no, no, no. Not quite that literal. Tackleton? Yeah. Oh, he's a football player. No, not quite that literal. <laughs> no, I'm thinking he seems kind of like a mean character. Oh, Mr. Tackleton. Right, like Peary Bingle seems cute. Tackleton seems kind of like... Oh, well, when you say it like that, yeah. Tackleton. Okay. He's a toy maker, and he's uh, kind of mean. And then the other two characters you need to know about would be um, Caleb who is uh, a poor toy maker who works for Mr. Tackleton. And then he has a daughter named Bertha who is blind. That's who we need to know about right now. He also has a son named Edward who died in South America. And he <laughs> brings him up a couple times. Has that happened yet? Because I didn't think that was in the first half of the story. It is. Because when he goes to pick up his package from Peary Bingle, oh. he's like, oh, if only my son Edward hadn't died, I would have so much money. <laughs> oh, he did mention that. You're right. Yeah, because I was reading a synopsis earlier and um, it mentioned this guy, Edward, who died in South America. And I was like, dang, it's taken a long time for him to get to the story because I haven't heard anything about him yet. And it turns out it <laughs> yeah. was right there in the beginning. He was, yeah, right there in the beginning. So this is this is a cute story because it's... What is it, the epitaph, the name of the thing that comes after the title? Subtitle. The, the subtitle? <laughs> Author's name. Yeah, it's a fairy tale of home. Copyright information. <laughs> yeah, it's like copyright Charles Dickens, 18, uh -huh. uh, what was this, 1846, I think? 18 dot dot dot. <laughs> 18, etc. But it says what? It says uh, a what? Um, it's The Cricket on the Hearth, A Fairy Tale of Home, which is better than The Chimes because The Chimes was The Chimes, a goblin tale of some bells that rung out the old year and rung in a new year and then some other stuff went And we down. were so mad because there weren't, like, goblin tale? There weren't enough goblins. Give us more goblins. Yeah. We need so much goblins. Well, Rachel, now that I've described Wait, all that, would you like to hold talk? on. What? Do you guys know that goblin mode is like the word of the year? Yeah, <laughs> even though it's a phrase. <laughs> Did you know that, Jack? Like the Oxford English Dictionary made that the word of the year, literally? Yeah. Wow. And we were on the cutting edge. I told you guys about it Man. at the last Christmas episode. <laughs> Getting in on the ground floor. But Jackie was hating on Yeah, I wasn't. You were hating on it? Because you just say these things and you don't explain what they are. <laughs> What's there to explain? Goblin mode? You don't get that? Not without context. You can be in goblin mode whenever you want. Yeah, just ask a goblin. But it came from a particular person saying it. I mean, it was a particular person who made like a hoax. And then everyone was like, ooh. And now Stephen King is in goblin mode. Whoa. But he said it wrong. He said, I'm going goblin. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> was his tweet like I'm going goblin did I get that right yeah, basically he was like I just heard of a like of a new concept and I want to use it I'm going goblin <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and then the person who came up with goblin mode said like Stephen King hello and then someone was like why are you getting so many likes all you did was say hello wow little did they know that was the creator of goblin mode people hate each other I'm gonna be super not up with the times now because I've deleted my Twitter app so don't know a thing but you still have to go on to see everything I send you about Muppets do you think Dickens just saw the word periwinkle and was like I'll just mess with it (laughs) I'll just mess with it yeah Yeah, maybe I can't think of anything else that could be close there so there was a negative review of the story that was like this tale is as fake as the name Peary Bingle. <laughs> like from back in Victorian times? It's something like that, I believe, yeah. That was actually a positive review because somebody, I saw the same thing. What? Yeah, somebody said like, oh, this is like so gross. Like it's just like full of saccharine hopefulness. And somebody else responded to that and was like, come on, it's just a good fun Christmas story. None of this is real. Just like how Peary Bingle isn't a real name. <laughs> The best defense is he made it up. (laughs) Yeah. This was actually more popular than A Christmas Carol when it first came out. Um, It almost immediately sold two editions. And yeah, it was super popular. It was put on as um, it was adapted into a play. Charles Dickens like did multiple live performances of it. Not the play, but like reading of the story. Like all the other Christmas books, it was uh, published as just like a book in and of itself, not a serial like a lot of his other longer novels. But this came out after Christmas Carol. It did. Yes, it was number three. Okay. At the time... Was it more popular because he was famous for his Christmas stories by then? Or at the time where people like, this one rips, Christmas Carol was pretty good, but this is way better? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, oh, no. I think this one just got really good reviews right off the bat. Well, come on, he okay. made up the whole thing. <laughs> You're right, Thea. He yeah, did he make up, up the whole thing. thing. <laughs> but a few people did say that it was too explicitly moralistic, which the Christmas Carol definitely is. This one is probably the least explicitly Christian of his Christmas books. It doesn't even take place at Christmas. Just like the chimes, it takes place at the New Year in January. Oh, well, that's in one of the 12 days of Christmas. I guess so. Does the 12 days start on Christmas? Or I think so. No, how are you going to get to 12 days if you don't include Christmas Eve? They don't all happen in the same year. For some reason, I assumed it was all leading up to Christmas. I assumed that too, but then I Googled it and it wasn't. Interesting. But Google it now because maybe I'm wrong. You're saying Christmas Eve isn't one of the 12 days of Christmas? That's crazy. I don't know. I thought perhaps Christmas Day was the start of the 12, but you need to let me know. Wow, this sucks. It starts on the 25th and ends (laughs) on the 5th of January. Ugh. Wow, this sucks. I guess that's why it's a count up instead of a countdown, right? Because oh, yeah. if it's if it was leading to Christmas, it would start on the twelfth day of Christmas. <laughs> oh my gosh! So on Christmas, all you get is a partridge in a pear tree. Wow. 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 Well, okay. So all that really happens in the story is you've got Dot at home, like tending the fire, and she's preparing for John to come home from his carrier job. And it's evening, and it's a very gross, windy, cold evening. And I really liked the description at the beginning because it's like totally contrasting, like the cheeriness of being at home with the fire to like the scary, bad weather outside. Mm -hmm. So then John comes home, and he's got all these packages that he's like 
I guess, didn't deliver that day. I don't know. Like, why did he bring all these packages home? And she's looking at them and she's like, oh, a wedding cake. Who's getting married? Got to look at this. Got to look at that. So she's looking at all these packages. Then people come to the house and are like, hey, can I have my packages? Because you were supposed to bring them to me. And I guess you didn't. I don't know. We got this package from China before you gave us our package. (laughs) I think think that sometimes he just picks them up and takes them to his house and, and part of the service. Like, maybe it's cheaper if people halfway go to him oh like fedex yeah like fedex where you go to them (laughs) (laughs) dickens was a little bit creepy like what was his romantic life at the time of this because i feel like all these like old old men with their young hot wives and him talking about the plumpness of dot peerybingle yeah i couldn't tell (laughs) for (laughs) i couldn't tell if dot for a while was old um and then i thought she was really old at the start of the story i thought she was like an old lady because you hear like oh Mrs. Periwinkle sitting by the fire. <laughs> and then he's like, she had a hot, young, plump bod. Yeah. Oh. He said, um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he said something like she was dumpling-like in her appearance, but I don't necessarily mind that. He said, I don't mind people being shaped like that. Like the narrator comes in and just gives his opinion on the shape of her dumpling bod. Yeah. He says, listen, guys, my anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, that's basically the narrator is constantly like she was looking good in a plump way, which I like. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the little nanny girl who's only 13, he's like describing her and he's like, now I wish... I would like to describe her legs, but I know that's a little bit uh, unseemly and maybe ungentlemanly, so I'll just say that she's constantly knocking them about and getting little scrapes on them, but I'm not going to say anything about that, and I'm certainly not going to imagine it. Yeah. Oh, wait, does that mean having sex? Knocking your legs about? No, no, he just says, like, no no matter what, anytime she gets in a carriage or out of a carriage, she always, like, hits her leg on the carriage or scrapes it or something. Or is that just her excuse, and she's really out knocking her legs around or something? She's 13 or whatever. Oh, I didn't know. Sorry. Yeah, she's <laughs> Jackie 13. said that. Tilly. Jackie said she was old, so. No, nobody no, is old. Everybody sounds old. like they might be old. Yeah. But the other funny thing about Tilly is that she's constantly knocking the baby's head against things. So she's like, got the baby. <laughs> and there's one point at which they're all sitting down to like have lunch together. And it says Tilly had to go sit on a chair by herself in the middle of the room so that she couldn't hit the baby's head against anything. <laughs> she's always hitting his head. Wow. Yeah, she really wanted to. Gosh, that baby needs a sequel. (laughs) Yeah, who knows what kind of like John Wayne Gacy-esque figure he became when he grew up after that many head knocks. It says, the fair little listener, for fair she was and young, though something of what is called the dumpling shape, but I don't myself object to that. Nobody asked you. Yeah, like, who's the narrator? Is this Dickens himself? Isn't the narrator like some kind of ghost? Like, who cares what some freaking disembodied voice thinks about a woman's body? (laughs) You know, like, why do you have to share that? (laughs) The reason it's called the cricket on the hearth is because there's a cricket that sits there on the hearth and it chirps and it's kind of like... The chirping cricket is kind of like a little harbinger of, like, good. And so when the cricket is chirping, things are happy. When the cricket's not chirping, things are not as happy. Oh. It starts out with a whole lot of chirping, I gotta say. Here's my question. Is this whole cricket thing, is that, like, a real superstition? Or did Dickens make that up the way he made up the whole story? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I noticed that you can buy little decorative crickets to put on your fireplace hearths. Huh. Well, that could have come from this. That's a thing. Yeah, I don't know. But I did think I want to ask Rachel if she has any fireplaces because I'd like to get you a cricket. Um, I have one in the other house in Durham. 
Crickets aren't actually very cute, you know. It's not really a cute animal that you want well, on your stuff. Is there a bug with a cute face? I don't know. Um, yeah, like those little jumping spiders with their big furry eyes. Oh, those are kind of cute. Big furry eyes. That sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound cute to you. <laughs> maybe they're furry and they have big eyes. And maybe I shouldn't have said their eyes are furry. <laughs> That's okay with me. That sounds cute. <laughs> oh, okay, furry creature with big eyes. Theo likes it. A creature with a, big a furry creature eyes? with big furry eyes. <laughs> Thank you. Not okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the baby makes his entrance into the story with her making like the kettle for the tea. And then um, the cart comes up. John comes in and it says, um, in comes John and an excited dog and a mysterious appearance of a baby. Where the baby <laughs> came from or how Miss Peary Bingle got hold of it, I don't know. But a live baby there was. And I was like, is this a, is this her baby? Did he pick this up? He's oh. alluding to sex. <laughs> He's just trying to be like, wink, wink, they did it. Oh, I was thinking it was going to be Jesus. <laughs> but like babies take a minute to cook, right? Like you can't just like come in like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Now you have a baby. Um, what do I know? Never had one. He made it up, Jackie. But Jackie is a genetic engineer. Yeah, I'm a genetic <laughs> engineer. I've never made a baby. <laughs> Anyway, so then John comes in. I thought John was much older than Dot. I think John is much older than Dot, or at least a little bit older. He has to be because everybody is like, ooh, look at your young wife. Or they're like, I got me a young wife just like you. Is that your daughter? <laughs> no, my wife. He keeps saying little wife, my little wife. Yeah, she's little and plump, and he's this big guy. He's a tall guy who kind of lumbers around and doesn't talk very much. Hmm. And everybody likes to come to his house and talk to him. And the narrator is like, he doesn't really talk very much back, but they like that. So they're talking about the cricket and Dot's like, I love the cricket. John's like, well, if you love it, then I love it too. They're a really cute couple, actually. Yeah. And she has this weird part where she starts talking and she's like, you know, I really love it because every once in a while, John, when you're out of here and, you know, before we had the baby, I often thought about how lonely... You would be if I died. <laughs> and now that the cricket is here, I don't feel so bad about that anymore. And I was like, now, wait a second. <laughs> We're just going to skip over this? If she died, he would be able to hang out with the bug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he doesn't say, why were, why were you sitting at home thinking about what if you died? Why would you tell me that? They're weird. I, I have to say some of the pros in this was fine. I, I don't like this as much as Jackie seems to. I like it a heck of a lot more than the chimes, but a lot less maybe that's than what it is. Christmas Carol so far. But we haven't gotten to the end yet, so maybe I'll totally change my tune. Oh, so, okay, go ahead. She she's like, did you deliver all your packages? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, did you? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I forgot one. Oh. He says, I forgot the old gentleman. And she says, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, this old guy is asleep in my car. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he goes outside and he wakes up this dude who's been I don't understand any of this. Like, do you think Victorian people would have understood that? Like, yeah, occasionally, like you'll be carrying mail and then some guy will just fall asleep in your mail car and then you have to bring him home with you and let him live with you. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. But so he gets this old guy and the old guy comes in and he has a cane and then he like does something with the cane and it turns into a chair and then he sits on it. And I was like, Theo would love that gadget. Why would I love it? Because it's there's a gadget in the story. We don't actually we haven't had that many stories with gadgets, to be honest with you. Hmm. It would be a Victorian story that has the gadgets, though. Tilly, the nanny, sees the stranger come in and she is a little startled. And so she instinctively thrusts um 
at him the only instrument she has near her, which is the baby. She hits the guy with the baby. Gosh. (laughs) I don't know why they've hired her. Yeah. Why does Dot need a nanny at all? Like, what does she do? She's busy sitting there thinking about how lonely John would be if she died. She just sits there. (laughs) Like, why do they need a servant to help with the baby? (laughs) Anyway, so this old man, they bring him inside, and they're, like, introducing him to the baby and she's like oh he's vaccinated just six months six weeks ago is what she says to him and i'm Bragging. like well dang 1846 they could vaccinate their kids i think you can too listeners Whoa. i'm sure you all have don't worry you must but the guy is like um hey so actually like it's really dark out now and i didn't mean to fall asleep for so long like do you think i could just stay the night and they were like uh yeah yeah that's fine but so Caleb, the the poor toy maker, comes and he's wearing this like coat that seems to be made out of an old box. And then what happens with Caleb? I don't know. He just comes in and he comes in and he's like, oh, I wish I didn't have a dead son. OK, bye. Going home now. I have to take these doll eyeballs to my daughter, Bertha, who's blind. Isn't that so sad? I wish yeah. she could use these eyeballs for herself and see out of them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It says... I wish it were her own sight in a box, John. And John says, yeah, I wish yeah, that me too, too, bro. And Caleb says, to think that she should never see the dolls and them are staring at her so bold all day long. That's where it cuts. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> Whoa. That's so creepy. <laughs> Why are they I don't know what the story is about, but that sounds like the setup for whatever nightmarish things are going to happen. <laughs> this sounds like a turn is about to go into like a whole different like Halloween story kind of thing. Caleb, I understand that like what you're saying, but you know that those doll eyeballs don't see any better than Bertha's <laughs> eyeballs, right? Like all totally useless in terms of being eyeballs. Wish yeah. my daughter had these two rocks to see out of. <laughs> Basically. Like he paints two little eyeballs on a rock or like puts some little googly eyes on there and he's like, I wish Bertha could see as well as this rock. Well, I mean, it could be anything, right? So like two pieces of broccoli or something. <laughs> Oh, did I tell you guys that Becca's boyfriend Darius thought that in the Frosty the Snowman song, you know how it says he had a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal? Uh-huh. I wish my Bertha could see as well as Frosty. He thought that Frosty had a carrot nose and carrot eyes. Like and he would sing the song. But we were like, What are you talking about? Carrot eyes, like just like poking right out of his face and he's like, I don't know, it's up to you. What? But it's animated. You can see it, right? No, and he also thought that that's how whenever people make snowmen, he just, in his mind, they were all just using carrots for the eyes and the nose. Dear Lord. Yeah, they have carrot noses, carrot eyes, (laughs) carrot buttons, carrot arms, and Mm -hmm. carrot bodies. In fact, there's really no snow involved. (laughs) A corncob pipe and a carrot nose and two eyes made made out out of of carrots. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, I mean, everybody was astonished when we heard it. If you burn that. those carrots to little crisps, then maybe they would be. I mean, you could slice the carrots and then you'd have the little rounds, like the circles that you could use for eyes. But... <laughs> oh, that's perfect. It's perfect. Let's get Darius on the pod. I have questions about what he thinks of snowman. <laughs> you know, my sister's boyfriend, Lenny, she just messaged me. It popped up on the computer. She said they were hanging out with a friend, and the friend said, Oh, yeah, my grandma is Lutheran. And he said, Lutheran? Isn't that the devil's name? <laughs> oh, God. <No. laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. Wait, I think this is a good time for me to tell my Christmas cookie swap story. Go ahead. Can there. I just ask one question about that? Is he Christian? I mean, his family's Catholic. And I think he like tags along to church with Emily pretty often. He, he must be joking. <laughs> He's not joking. He must- you tell your story. And he said something else. That I'm going to see if I can find it. But yeah, you tell your story. Oh, my God. You'll have to say something that tells us that Darius is smart. Because like every story you've no, ever told Lenny's about. Lenny's the one who said the Lutheran thing. Yeah, well, both of them at this point. <laughs> yeah, honestly, your boyfriend, Becca's boyfriend, Emily's boyfriend have all not come across great in this conversation. <laughs> um, well, so I was at this Christmas cookie swap. Like I said, it was like an event put on by this Bumble group that I'm in. My friend who dated the guy uh, who grabbed my butt at karaoke. Ooh. She is a girl I met on Bumble. And then she moved to Chicago. And before she left, she said... I'm going to put you in this, like, group me group that I have of all these other Bumble girls that I've met, and I'm going to get them to adopt you since I'm leaving. And I said, great. Just swap you in. Yeah, she, like, literally just put me in, and we met, like, one time, and she was like, this is Jacqueline. Please take care of her after I leave. (laughs) So they kind of adopted me, and I've been doing a couple things with them, and they're all really nice. And I thought about not telling the story because it does involve something stupid that someone else said, but she's never going to hear it, so it's fine. (laughs) But we were playing this game. Um, where you have to like draw like a certain, like a card and then roll a die. And then the die tells you like, you have to name a certain number of things of whatever is on the card. The card was, her task was name two Yiddish words. And she goes, oh, oh, oh okay. I know. Oh, Super califragilistic, expialidocious. <laughs> and what? um, what's another one? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like easy peasy. And me and this other girl were looking at each other like, what? did she think gibberish? <laughs> And she was like, yay, done. And I'm like, I've never met any of these girls before. And I haven't met her. And I was like, but I can't not say something. So I was like, I think uh, you're wrong. <laughs> so Yiddish is a language. <laughs> and she was like, oh. And then somebody was like, well, can you name two Yiddish words? And I was like, bagel schmear. Bagel and schmear. I think I said schlep and like bubba or something. Bubba. <laughs> or bubby. <laughs> Not bubba. Schnoss. <laughs> I don't know. And they were like, oh, okay. So then I got the card and I was just like, I feel like such a dick. But she was so excited. She's super califragilistic, expialidocious. And I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, Mary Poppins, you know, like the classic <laughs> Jewish folk icon. <laughs> That's interesting. That is really funny. How does she think she... <laughs> I think she thought it was gibberish, but, but easy peasy doesn't fit. I don't remember if it was easy peasy or if it was something else. It was something like that. <laughs> Two gibberish words, but then couldn't you just be like, glibior and schnorknor? Snop, snop. Hey, actually, Theo, that's a Yiddish word. It's not. I'm going to tell you one other story about Lenny real quick. Oh, so Lydia went to Costa Rica with Lydia and her boyfriend, Emily and her boyfriend, my dad, and then Becca's boyfriend, but no Becca. They all went to Costa Rica. Okay. So Lenny like hasn't traveled at all. I think he hadn't been outside the US before or like he'd gone to Mexico once or something. But Emily, there's a star fruit and Emily pointed to it and said, look, Lenny, this is called a star fruit. They're really good. And, and he goes, yeah, right. I'm not stupid. I know that's just a kiwi. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they are kind of like star shaped kiwis. 
No. Well, they aren't furry, though, right? <laughs> they're not furry at all. They're, they're brown. No, they're not brown. I think they're, they're green. green. Yeah, they have big furry eyes, and they're brown. Jackie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're speaking a little Yiddish right now. Really? I thought I'd seen, like, brown star fruits before. No, you're thinking of kiwi. <laughs> no, I know a kiwi when I see one. Lenny thought he did. Or Lenny thought he was getting made fun of. I know, but now he is. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But it is pretty funny. <laughs> Emily's always texting us whenever they say funny things because she said that they were watching a show and somebody said something about a river that separated Montana and Canada. And so Lenny's brother was, she said he was looking at where Montana was in the U.S. and said, I don't see Canada, though. I see Ontario, Montreal. But where's Canada? Oh, no. oh gosh. <laughs> she said God. he didn't know Canada was the whole country above the U.S. Oh, man. Who didn't know this? Lenny's brother. <laughs> America is in trouble, you guys. She said they partied a lot in school. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They never celebrated Canada Day, though. Mm-mm. I don't know. I mean, I with this girl, I could just tell, like, the second she walked in the room, like... Best friend, soul sister. <laughs> I just knew immediately we were going to be friends. No, I was like, well, I don't think we're going to get along because she had, like, one of those, like, girl fedoras, you know? Girl fedoras? <laughs> Like, you know how there's, like, a an archetype of girl who, like, wears a big, wide-brimmed hat and, like, lots of, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's But it's not a fedora. It's a different hat. I don't know what... I think of it as, like, a girl fedora, because that's basically what they... What? <laughs> the personality under the hat tends to be like. I'm pretty sure I have one of those, by the way. Sorry. Oh. If you wear that type of hat, I just instantly think that girl doesn't tip at restaurants. Whoa. And I don't know why I think that, but I just do. Okay, I tipped a lot today. Oh, I got a free donut at my brunch. I forgot to say that. Because there was some string inside my rice ball. Okay, back to the story. We're almost done, actually. So after Caleb Plummer leaves, Mr. Tackleton, (laughs) who we find out his nickname, everybody calls him Gruff and Tackleton correct? Whoa. Yeah, because that was his old business partner. His old business partner was Gruff, and he bought out Gruff, but the store is still called Gruff and Tackleton, and so people just call him that because he's such an asshole, basically. Mr. Gruff. And he said, um, this guy who is, you know, the chief toy maker, he makes the kinds of toys that, or like, does he make these toys, or does he just... No, he just sells them. Okay, but it says he despises toys, and he loves to make creepy toys, like, let's see, appalling masks, vampire kites, demoniacal tumblers who don't lie down, uh, hideous red... Red-eyed, hairy jack-in-the-boxes. He makes these, like, crazy-looking scary toys because, or I guess that's what he would make if he did make them. It's really confusing. He wants to scare children. But <laughs> anyway, they, and he likes to charge a lot, and it says, like, he likes it when farmers go to a shop to try to buy something for their kids, and then it's all horrible. <laughs> yeah, it said um, also that he one time lost money by setting up goblin slides for magic lanterns. So, like, I guess a lantern where you put, like, a picture in it, and it like plays the shadows on the wall yeah and it says the powers of darkness were depicted as a sort of supernatural shellfish with human faces huh there's nothing to understand supernatural shellfish self supernatural shellfish is a great band name that supernatural <laughs> and i propose we make that band supernatural shellfish she sells supernatural seashells but that's pretty good Theo, you uh met a scary toy maker one time 
I did? Toy seller. Yeah. You met a scary guy who said something about like eating your fingers or something. <laughs> oh. Tell it. Now's the time. <laughs> I don't know if I remember. I, when are we ever going to talk about scary toy makers again? <laughs> I went through a phase, one of my many phases. Um, and in this phase, I was chewing on my fingers. Like biting your nails, right? Like that's a more normal way to say that. No. Or were you just literally chewing on your chewing. fingers? I was chewing on my finger. Like I had my whole oh, finger okay. in my mouth. I would put it down like the side of my cheek and just chew. Uh, I feel like I've seen little kids do that. Yeah. Yeah. It gets your finger really slobbery. Um, <laughs> he just did it and then was like shocked to discover that now he's all slobbery. I can't remember. I, it was a it was a trading card store, at Pokemon cards. And I went in there with my brother and my cousin. Joseph? No, Ian. Um, Ian. And my brother was Swags, Ian Swags. Swags. Shout out, Swag Bag. Um, and we went in there and we were buying some Pokemon cards or something. And they, they were like outrageously expensive at this store. Just to, I want to throw out that complaint out. Yeah, they were probably like a good 80, 90 cents each. <laughs> you have no idea, Jackie. I don't know if there's much to the story. That I think the guy just, I don't remember the story. The guy just said, hopefully you get some more fingers to chew on for Christmas. And then he like smiled at me. <laughs> I don't, well, when you told it to me, I for some reason thought of it as being a much bigger part of your like core memories. Because I thought it was so funny and scary what he said. Like, yeah, like, oh, what do you want for Santa, little boy? And then you told him. Yeah, and then he was like, maybe he'll bring you some more fingers. No. No, he didn't. He, <laughs> he didn't. said, what do you want for Christmas, little boy? New fingers? <laughs> That's how you told it. Really? <laughs> yes. That's definitely how I remember That's it. That's not what this guy's like. Picture like a man in his 40s who's into like trading cards. And that's who this guy was. So he he wasn't some like sorcerer. Like the comic book guy from The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, like comic book guy. There was nothing ghoulish about this man. <laughs> I'm picturing like an evil Santa, like almost a Krampus kind of person. Krampus. <laughs> oh, Jack Skellington's here. Hey, Jack. Your fingers, boy. That, that is exactly how you said it. Maybe I put some spin on it. But it's funny. I feel like it turned into one of Jackie's core memories. It did. <laughs> it kind of did. Because <laughs> I just have this very vivid image in my mind of, like, basically you as, like, a Goosebumps protagonist. And you go into this dusty old store. Yeah. And you're this little <laughs> tiny kid chewing your fingers. And then, then there's this kind of, like, yeah. wizard. Like a mad wizard behind the counter. Don't touch the magical toy. Yeah. You're like, won't you sell it to me? No. Please. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Tackleton, the scary toy maker guy is there and he's saying to John and Dot, oh, I'm going to be married soon, you know, and I'm going to have a young, pretty wife just like you. And he says, I would really like uh, to so he's weird. He's like Regina George mean girl kind of thing because like everything he says is like designed to like make other people upset but without like being obvious about it. So he like takes John aside and he's like, you know, I'd really, really like to bring my like new wife to meet you and Dot because – and he thinks John is stupid and John is like kind of just a like a nice slow-witted guy sort of. So Tackleton's like, I'm going to outsmart him and he's not even going to know I'm insulting him. I don't even know if slow-witted. He's just – slow to talk <laughs> yeah or i don't know like people think of him as slow-witted but he's just like a nice guy i don't know he doesn't have cunning and he i think he says something like so dot didn't love you before you got married but now she loves you so i want my wife to be to meet you guys so she can see how nice it is to be married he says and this was another creepy part he's like 
listen, women, they're always influenced by other women and they always want to oh, like yeah. show them up. So if you guys come over, your wife always talks about how she loves being married and you're you're the greatest husband ever and you're so nice. And if you guys come hang out with me and my young wife, whenever your wife is like, my marriage is awesome, my wife will be like, my marriage is awesome. And she might even be like, no, it's even better than your marriage. And also, whenever she says that, she'll halfway convince herself that she, that it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you say it, it's true. Huh. So that's his plan to get his new yeah. young wife mm-hmm. to love him, is to be around a happy couple. I mean, it also seems like he's setting himself up for disappointment. What if she doesn't say anything? <laughs> Yeah, what if she acts like a normal human? He says, well, all I really want is for her to honor and obey me. And I'm not really like a man with a lot of feelings. So like, that's quite enough. Like, do you think there's any more to marriage? And John is like, I would throw any man out the window who said that there wasn't more to marriage. And Tackleton's like, oops. (laughs) I didn't say that. I'm sure there's more to to it. my exit. (laughs) As he like creeps away from the window. (laughs) So he's just like, you're going to come, right? You're going to come. We're going to have, we're going to have dinner. We're going to come. And he was like, yeah, sure. And well, he doesn't want to, because he's like, we're supposed to be celebrating our anniversary, which is literally the same day. Yeah. He's like, that's our own wedding day. Yeah. But so Tackleton just forces him into it. And they don't want to go. No, he doesn't want to go. But he's like, you're going to come. You're going to come. You're going to come. Right. Okay, great. Thanks. You're going to come. And at that moment, there's a loud scream from Dot. And now the weird thing happens. So the strange old man who had fallen asleep in the cart is like near Dot. Dot is freaking out and they're asking like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she's like, she's like laughing and crying and like beating her hands together. And then she's like weeping and then she's crying. And John is like, what's going on? And the old man is just standing there and she's like, I'm fine now. I thought I saw something, but it's gone now. And they're like, well, what was it? Like, what did you see? And she's like, I don't know. It's gone. It's gone. She's like, don't worry about it. (laughs) So anyway, so then we cut to Caleb Plummer's house and we find out, like, he gets paid basically nothing from Mr. Tackle- Tackleton. And, like, their house is in terrible shape. But his daughter, who's blind, he, like, always lies to her. And he's like, no, everything in our house is made from the finest materials. And all of our dishes have these patterns on them. And, and I'm wearing a beautiful sky blue coat and all this other stuff. And so he's like... When really lives, we know he's yeah. wearing a coat that's literally made of an old bag. Yeah. She's like, won't you tell me about all this great stuff? And he's like, yeah, you know, I look okay. Like, we're not it. rich, but, you know, everything's pretty nice. And it's not the yeah. case at all. They live in, like, Dickens actually described it as a crazy shack. He's got away with words. <laughs> <laughs> Dickens, he always does this whenever he has any characters with disabilities. He goes too far. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Bertha is, like, too, she's too credulous. She's too sweet and too positive. He just takes it too far. Yeah. So Caleb has done a really good job of, like, making her think that everything is amazing. Even his boss, Tackleton, who is an awful guy and who, like, makes him live in poverty. Mm -hmm. And so Tackleton comes. Bertha thinks he's amazing because Caleb has told her everything's amazing. And she thinks he's really handsome. She thinks he's really kind. She thinks he treats her dad really well. And in fact, he doesn't. And he's saying all these awful things like, oh, you're such an idiot. And Caleb literally whispers to his daughter. So while Mr. Tackleton is being really rude to him, he literally whispers to his daughter, you know, if we didn't know that he's such a great guy and he's only saying these things as a joke, it would sound real, wouldn't it? (laughs) Apparently, Mr. Tackleton, like, he doesn't like 
Bertha, because of what her dad has told her about what how he's such a great guy, she thinks he's a great guy and is always like happy to see him and is always super nice to him. And so he's always like, you're an idiot. But the dad is like, oh, he's joking. He's joking. Whether consciously or not, like he realizes that she likes him and so she must be an idiot. So he treats her like that. Anyway, so he says, I'm going to get married. And she's like, what? You're getting married? To who? And he says, well, I'm getting married to this woman named May. And we, like, find out that she's kind of upset about that. Like, Tackleton leaves. And then she's like, tell me about May, Caleb, dad. <laughs> dad, Caleb, like, isn't May so pretty? <laughs> May's so pretty, right? And she, and he's like, yeah, she is. And she's <laughs> like, May has really beautiful eyes, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, no, those no, no, eyes. The, the dad's describing her, and he's like, she's so beautiful. Like, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. And he goes, and her eyes. And then he, the narrator's like, oh, he realized he shouldn't have said that she has eyes? Like, <laughs> this is a sore point for Bertha. That, it, And he's like, oh, oops, I'm going to stop. T- I sh- wish I hadn't brought her eyes up (laughs) but yeah so bertha like she like cries tears of joy i don't know the her dad says they're tears of joy and she's like oh this is wonderful well she says tackleton is so great right so i love and he's like yeah tackleton's great bertha and she's like well then i love may even more for being for loving him so i'm like (laughs) is she in love with tackleton because she thinks he's great also she asks him, like, May's age or whatever, and the dad's like, yeah, I mean, she is quite a bit younger, and she's like, but how wonderful to ease his passing and be with him in old age and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, what a great uh, blessing <laughs> to take care of and, like, to nurse him through his sicknesses. Okay, so Bertha being blind in this story is significant because in many Dickens stories and just in Victorian culture in general— I was reading actually a lot about like the history of disability, like leading up to this. And and also at the time, because of like factory work becoming a bigger thing, more and more people were becoming disabled. Like right. it was so dangerous. So many of the jobs people were doing. So it was like right. much more in the public eye. Yeah. Yeah. And also because like prior to the rise of industrialism, you didn't have this like huge emphasis on needing people to be able bodied to churn out so much work. Like obviously it was you always kind of needed to be as healthy as possible. But then there was this big emphasis on like, we have to be as productive as possible. So you have to be like in good physical form. And then so there was extra emphasis on not being disabled, but then also extra people becoming disabled because of how dangerous it was in the factories. And it was also believed that um, most disabilities that you're born with, they just automatically believe that they were inherited. So there was this emphasis on making sure that you never got married. Eugenics. Mm. Anytime you see a disabled character in a Dickens story, you're supposed to feel sorry for them because you know they're never going to get married. And so with Bertha, we're supposed to feel like automatically we know that she's never going to have a husband. She's she can never, never have love. Yeah, this is a fairy tale of home and we're seeing how great it is to have a husband. But it's never going to happen for Bertha because she don't have eyeballs like those dolls do. You'd sooner marry a doll than Bertha. Wow. Yeah, it's not <laughs> something that you automatically assume. Like what's like who care? Like obviously she's able to. Even if money was a concern, she has a job despite not being able to see like she she does fine. Yeah. (laughs) I just yeah, it's not an assumption that a modern audience would make anymore. No. Also, it was used in interesting ways sometimes where like women who were disabled would be able to like 
sometimes get out of like their gender roles that they're expected to be into in terms of like getting married and just having a kid and taking care of the family. So it's like, yeah, you're supposed to automatically think of these people as never going to be able to have a family. But also some people felt like that was a nice release from expectations, (laughs) a family that they maybe wouldn't have wanted to have. Yeah. Mm. So then I'm reading all this stuff about like disability in the Victorian times. And you guys, I feel like most people know that like, yeah, there's like around the 1800s is when you were starting to have like freak shows and like the traveling circuses, right? And like the elephant man and like the twins and the hot and tot Venus and all of these like awful things. Mm -hmm. And they also had this emphasis on like getting rid of disability. And that's where you get all these like little gadgets and technologies like the ear horns. And like I saw a Victorian wheelchair and it basically just looked like um, like a huge baby carriage that like an adult goes in. (laughs) Like there's really no difference except that it's more of a chair. I wish I'd had one of those today and someone was pushing I know. Me. <laughs> it seems kind of sweet. I, I say all the time, I'm like, I wish I could be in a baby carriage sometimes. You say that all the time? Really? Yeah. Because sometimes you'll just be walking and it's cold and it's windy and it's raining. I'm like, I wish I could just be inside that little thing with the hood pulled down. You know mm. what you need to do is in, in Denmark, a lot of people have those cargo bikes Sometimes at night we would see there would be boyfriends riding the bike and in the front cargo area, they would like fill it with pillows and blankets and the girlfriend would be sitting in that nest and the boyfriend's like cycling her through the city. Aww. I would love that. Um, I would prefer to be behind the bike, though. Behind? I'd want to be, like, towed behind it. Yeah. Okay. Why do you care? I don't want to do any work. (laughs) It isn't any work to be sitting in the front. Well, it just seems scary. Like, if if you run into something, you're right there at the... In the smash zone. But you have all the pillows. Yeah. Oh, that's true. But yeah, so they had like, yeah, prosthetics and all these different kinds of things to try to like make it so that disability wasn't a thing um, because you had to be normal. But even before this, so Victorian times thought of disability as being sad. Then when it gets into later Victorian times around like the Civil War, like in America, at least you start having like people having like very tragic disabilities because of being hurt in war. Mm -hmm. And so- then it wasn't seen as like a like a good character trait or something or like a sign that you're inwardly really good because you're disabled, right? Uh-huh. Because anybody could become disabled. Yeah, because it could happen to anybody. But before any of that, in like the 1700s and early 1800s, there were ugly clubs. Did you know about this? Ugly clubs? Ugly clubs. That's what they were called. They started in Europe and England, and then they moved over to America. But literally what would happen was you had to, and I think they were they were mostly for men, but they were basically clubs that you could only join if you were ugly, quote unquote, and they had rules. And it said like, okay, if you're like disabled, you have a humpback, you have like a club foot or something, like that's fine, but you can't get into this club unless you're genuinely like very, very like facially deformed or something is what they would say. So I have pictures of some of these rules because I just thought they were so weird. Okay, read us some. Let's see if we could join. So 18th century British social culture, the Ugly Face Club was a voluntary fraternal organization whose activities revolved around meeting in a coffee house, drinking ale, and singing songs. Okay, right away, that sounds awesome to me. Yeah, Yeah, that's all I ever want to do is just go to karaoke, basically. (laughs) So it consisted of bachelors who would get into this club, and by doing that, they were able to, like, 
take back their I'm saying ugly because that's what yeah, that's, that's the what name the, of the club. term was at the time. Yeah. They were able to like take back their ugliness and like become like renowned within the club among their like other gentlemen friends for being so ugly. Wow. And so um it said the rules state that even if a candidate is quote humpbacked and legged and possessed of all the perfections besides of the great and immortal worthy Aesop he could not be admitted to the club if he lacked the requisite facial deformities, ranging from, quote, blubber lips, little groggling or squinting eyes, or a large carbuncle potato nose. Oh. Hmm. They had ugly clubs at UVA and at the University of North Carolina. Well, I, we were really born in the wrong century, decade. <laughs> we clearly were. There's an article from 1912 called Ye Old Ugly Face Club. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's not that different than, like, incel mentality, right? That's what I was saying. Yeah, like, we have the same thing now. But it seems like it's happy, right? There are still, no, there's, like, communities online still where, like, or one of the things I was reading mentioned, like, there's a Facebook club where you have to send in a picture of yourself, a club, a Facebook group. And then, like, they have to, like, check to see if you're ugly enough to join. <laughs> and then it's just, like, people roasting each other. So it's the exact same thing. Like, it's just roasting. They roasted each other? Roasted each other's potato noses. Yeah, they would, like, make them stand up on little, like, tables and have a competition about who's the ugliest and who gets to be the ugly king. <laughs> the ugly king. I feel like you can only have one of those. Well, it's every year. So somebody sounds like, I think I got uglier this year. I think I can win this year. <laughs> They probably add new members. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, you're right. I feel like you're right, Theo. Like there's still stuff like that today. And like incel culture is kind of like that. Yeah. Like some of them are not very happy about it, but they still will like get together and say like, yeah, this is all of our problems. And this is why we can't like exist in outside culture. So we have to just band together here. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they really, they feel like they have community there and everything. Yeah. But also if you look at what is considered ugly throughout history, it changes all the time, which just proves that there's no such thing is ugly mm -hmm. and all these people probably need to just see a therapist <laughs> yeah like when i was on the dating apps i filtered for must have potato nose mm -hmm. so mr whatever he's like hey uh mr what was it tackleton he says hey aren't the peary bingles coming over tomorrow for their weekly or monthly lunch and birth is like yeah and he's like okay cool i'm gonna come over and bring my wife and because i want her to become friends with them i'll bring something like a cold leg of lamb or whatever so expect me tomorrow toodaloo yeah something kind of tasty like the lots of you would like <laughs> like yeah. not very fancy is that cool and they're like uh okay <laughs> so then he leaves and should we stop there Yep, because what's about to happen next is they're all going to get together for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll leave you there on that cliffhanger. Yum. <laughs> what will happen next? <laughs> like the little parts about like the dolls staring at her and then Dot freaking out and being like, I saw something horrifying, but I can't tell you what it was. Like this has little elements of horror in it for sure. <laughs> and if it turned into a straight up like Stephen King goblin mode book, like – Going goblin, I I wouldn't be oh, surprised man. if Charles Dickens goes goblin mode, but not in the book that's about goblins. What a twist! Wow. Well, the book that was supposed to be about goblins wasn't that gobliny. So I know. You know, when you're a writer, you get one chance to write a book with goblins in the title, basically, hmm. and he he wasted it. <laughs> Shall we thank Chris? Yeah, how about Theo? Why don't you do that? Like, you introduce that topic. We have a big 
announcement to make, which is that we got a new patron, <laughs> and we want to thank that patron for all he's done for us. Patronizing us. Oh, yeah. I guess I don't yeah. know. Can I assume, Chris? For all they've done to it. <laughs> we love Chris. We love Chris. Chris has. We love Chris in all of their forms. <laughs> we love. We love them for everything they've done to us. <laughs> Chris has given us the stamp of approval. The Chris's stamp of approval, communicated with a patronage to- towards us. Yay! Yay! We love it. Thank you, Thank Chris. You. We love Sorry it. that we immediately went on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like Chris signs up and we're just like fuck Chris we're not releasing any more episodes ever um just kidding we are sorry it took us a long time but here we are I'm not sorry we need we deserved a break yeah you know what Chris I'm not sorry <laughs> here's a little tip don't say sorry thank them for something so thank you for your patience Chris thank you for your patience Chris thank you for the free money best five dollars I've ever made <laughs> <laughs> We love fleecing our patrons. We love it when you guys get nothing in return for patronizing us. No, just kidding. Um, no, just kidding. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a Patreon episode soon. But um, we hope you enjoyed this, and I hope you guys are having a good holiday season. Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're yep. atheist and you're enjoying a nice bagel, have fun with that. Yep. <laughs> and also, like Merry Christmas, regardless. Like you can still just have a good day. You know what I'm saying? On the 25th. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why don't we say Merry December 25th? Yeah. You can't say Merry Christmas anymore with woke culture the way it is. <laughs> you know, Obama put up a holiday tree in the White House, oh which is even gosh. more upsetting because that dude's not even the president. <laughs> He's breaking in everywhere and putting up holiday trees. <laughs> I wish he would break into my house and put up a holiday tree. They're so expensive now. <laughs> Does it have to be Obama, though? <laughs> he can if he wants. I'm sure there's a more affordable service than Obama. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's breaking in, I'm not paying. He's the anti-Christmas elf. Well, that's a timely reference. (laughs) Yeah. What can I say? I'm not on Twitter anymore. Obama. Obama. So thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you join us again for the riveting finale to the cricket on the hearth. Lunch, 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 lunch. Everybody. Lunch, lunch, lunch. Lunch, lunch. Oh, you said everybody. You're supposed to keep going. Lunch, 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 lunch. Everybody else. Lunch. Okay. (laughs) Everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone who's not me. Um, If you'd like to check out our social media, we are on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter as at Fire the Cannon Pod. We have a Facebook group and official page for announcements, which has been dead for a while because we were on a break. But don't worry, it won't always be like that. We're coming back. And yeah. um, we will be having, um, of course, some changes to our schedule, which we'll talk about. But we are also at um, Fire the Cannon Podcast at gmail.com. And you can go to our website, which is Fire the Cannon Podcast.com. As always, Cannon is spelled C A N O. N. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. I've been your host, Rachel. <laughs> I've been your host, Jackie. And I've been the producer of these wacky gals. See ya. Nice. We never introduced ourselves at the beginning. I know. Us. I thought we might as well slip it in under the wire. <laughs> 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 They'll figure it out. Okay, bye. Right, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.